Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. We are back from our holiday weekend. Welcome, everybody. Team Scam. Scott and Adam here. I'm Adam. You'll hear Scott in a second. On Fantasy Baseball Today. And we welcome you. I hope you enjoyed the first base preview. Not so much the discussion about Jose Abreu. And his unfortunate injury last year, but uh, the rest of it was great. And Scott, how was your three-day weekend? It was just lovely, Adam. Good. Saw a movie. Don't get to do that much as what? a parent of two what young did children. You see, Scott White just took off on my own. And you saw what? I saw. Uh, I saw Into the Spider Verse. What the hell was that? What? What do you mean? What was that? <laughs> what is that? Maybe you're even more out of it than I am. Oh, I'm totally out of it. I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Into the Spider-Verse. No, I don't know yeah. what that is. Yeah. Um, you know, the Spider-Man animated with all the different Spider-Men from different multi... multi, You know, different universes, parallel universes. All right. On the, uh, it was kind of, I was kind of overhyped. I was, I was uh, a little disappointed. Okay. Uh, yeah, you answered my next question. Well, we're going to have a lot of baseball to talk about. Second base preview coming up tomorrow. Hopefully Heath will join us for that. If not, it will be me and Scott or, uh, yeah, you know, break it down second base. And then we'll do at least one more position preview. Uh, shortstop for sure, maybe third base by the end of this week. Scott's going to tell us about his favorite fantasy team that he's drafted so far, what he likes about it. Then we have a ton of news and a lot of your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com, but we're going to talk about Moustakas, Vlad, Machado and Harper. Charlie Blackman is going to play right field this year. Closer situation in Baltimore. Uh, yeah, just, just stuff like that. What, so let's talk about your favorite team. We, we did talk about it briefly, uh, when was that? It was last week, whenever we talked about that head to head categories mock. This is so far the favorite team that you've drafted. 12 team head to head categories, 5 by 5 batting average instead of OBP, and wins instead of quality starts, so, you know, your standard 5 by 5 But the pitching, uh, roster is 5 starting pitchers, 2 relievers. So what do you like about this team as we could use this as a guide for our listeners and how to draft an amazing team that Scott White's going to give you an A on? <laughs> so this team, yeah, it, it is my favorite so far. This, this is not a favorite format of mine, but I think the thing that stands out about this team is it it was the heaviest I went on starting pitcher. My uh, second, third, and fifth picks were all starting pitchers, Chris Sale, Garrett Cole, and Zach Greinke. So it's a it's a very good pitching staff. And I don't know I don't know if that if if it's as simple as saying you need to have a loaded pitching staff this year. Uh I think part of what made it work is we were dealing with the head to head lineup instead of the standard roto lineup, so fewer hitter spots to fill. And since it was a categories lineup instead of a points lineup. Uh, it, it kind of broadened the um, number of potentially quality, potentially impact hitters because you don't have to worry about plate discipline, right? Mm-hmm. Like you would in a points league. So somebody like Miguel Andujar, who I don't love so much in points leagues, ends up being an asset here because a very safe source of batting average, I feel like. Uh, so, you know, it may have been 
I, I, I need to see more. I need to, um, you know, have, have more experiences where maybe, uh, I, I get three pitchers in the first five rounds like that to see if, if I would be similarly happy with the way my team turns out. Maybe it was a situation in this league where I just happened to get a lot of upside hitters that I can't always rely on being available to me. Guys like Yasiel Puig, David Dahl, uh, Andujar, like I said. Uh, but I, I feel like this is a great mix of uh, hitting categories being filled. And I know my pitching staff solid. I don't even have to worry about that. And I was still able to put together uh, a lineup that I think should be competitive in all five categories. I got Adalbert Mondesi carrying me in steals, uh, Bryce Harper, uh, Jose Abreu. Uh, really, really power spread throughout. There isn't a guy in my starting lineup who doesn't give me power, which is important when you only have nine hitter spots to deal with. You can't really, uh, as, pow- as, as power laden as the league is right now, I don't know that you can afford to have like a steel specialist. Uh, so that's, that that's probably my favorite team so far. Want to go through I the whole lineup? Uh, I don't. I don't love your. I don't love it. You don't love. You don't love the team. Okay. You're not alone. Well, you're not alone. Well, okay. Your lineup. Your hit. Your pitching is great. It's Sale, Cole, Granky, Heaney, and Musgrove. Uh, and as you mentioned, uh, Colin McHugh. You mentioned this uh, on the previous show when we talked about it. Colin McHugh would be your fifth starter over Musgrove, but he's only RP eligible right now. You have Trinan and Yates at closer. You have Dylan Bundy on your bench. So your pitching's great. Catcher, Danny Jansen. First base, Jose Abreu. Second base, Scooter Jeanette. Third base, Miguel Andujar. Shortstop, Adalberto Mondesi. Outfield, Harper, Puig, and Dahl. Utility is Luke Voigt. With Carlos Santana, Adam Eaton, and Brandon Nimmo on the bench. Santana, Eaton, and Nimmo. Um, I don't like it mostly because of the Yankees. <laughs> so... So Aaron Boone is committed to giving, I think he said like he wants uh, DJ LeMahieu to play 145 games. And they've also committed to Troy Tula, not committed, but said that Troy Tulowitzki's, you know, going to be their shortstop, I guess. There's no way he's going to play every day until Didi comes back. I'm getting a little concerned about Andujar's playing time. I you know they just they have Torres and do, they have Torres, um, Tulowitzki and Lemayhew for two spots, and I could see them moving Lemayhew to third or something like that and benching Andujar, uh, at times, and then Void yeah. obviously is a huge question mark. And I mean, truth be told, I have Andujar on my bust list, but it's it has nothing to do with performance and and just playing time, like you said. Uh, I, I think it would be more concerning for Voigt's playing time because, and, and I don't know if there's any plans to, to try Andujar at all at first base this spring, but um, I, I feel like he would be the higher priority bat after what he did last year when Voigt's still largely unproven. Yeah, uh, that's good So, point. you know, I, I do have some concerns about Andujar's playing time. Uh I think in a situation like this where you really need batting average help in the middle of the draft, he's still an asset in a standard 5 by 5 league like this. Let me ask Obviously, you a question. Obviously, I'm not going to pass him over. Do you have one great hitter on your team in this format? Well, Harper. Yeah, but Harper, it could be a batting average killer. It could be. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he could hit anywhere between 250 and 320 if, you know, know. just looking at his track record. I think the truer version of Harper is the guy who hits around 300. Looking at his, some of his quality of contact numbers, looking at what he did in the second half last year. But, of course, we've said that a lot over the years, and several times now it hasn't panned out. Uh, I was disappointed with having to start my draft with, with him in sale. I didn't like a lot of the alternatives. Why? I, mean, I think you took Christian Yelich in the same range, but I wasn't thrilled to start my team with him either. Well, why, why were you not thrilled to start with Harper and Sale? What is it about that combo you didn't like? Too risky? Uh, because, I mean, of, of all the first, second rounders, Harper is probably, probably has the most downside. I mean, I, I could put Acuna in that discussion as well. Um, uh, I, I mean, and I mean, there's a chance Yelich regresses to being like a 25 homer guy, you know, and then he's not really living up to that draft position. Either. Yelich was on the board. Yelich went right after you took Harper and Sale. You had the 12th right. pick, so you went Harper, Sale, 12, 13, and then Chris took Yelich, and then I took Aaron Judge uh, with the third pick of round two. I, it's very obvious to me that right now you're gonna. Most people are gonna feel great about drafting Trout, Betts, Jose Ramirez, Arenado. Let's stop right there. Like, for sure, those four you're going to be happy with. Then, are you going to be thrilled drafting Jose Altuve? I think we would. Max Scherzer? Yeah, he's awesome. J.D. Martinez? It's hard to see him not hitting 300 with a ton of home runs, RBIs, and runs, even though he's mm-hmm. a little older. Yep. So, that, I think, is six people, I said. Uh, maybe seven. 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 I think you're up to seven. And then in a Roto League, Categories League, Trey Turner is probably going to go there in a, a lot of them. He did in this league. He was seventh. Um, so you have to decide how you feel about that. And then after that, it's it's the next two players in this draft after those eight were two guys coming off injuries. One probably, I don't know what's more serious, but Alex Bregman and Francisco Lindor. And then Goldschmidt and Bryce Harper. Yeah, I in would my, say Lindor's definitely more serious. Yeah, in my opinion, there are... Seven, maybe eight clear-cut picks. And then, um, you know, a lot of round two kind of guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, that's the thing. I, I have doubts about Yelich. I have doubts about Judge. I think Harper has the most upside of the three. Um, it's kind of a controversial pick taking him in round one. Like I said, it wasn't a pick I'm excited about. But I think I... The rest of my draft helped um, helped make up for the areas where he might fall short, mainly batting average. You know, I got Jose Abreu, who has consistently been a 290 hitter prior to last year, and there's not anything to lead me to believe he's on the decline. It was just kind of a fluky injury plague thing. Scooter Jeanette's always a good source of batting average. Andujar, like I said, seems like a safe source of that. Uh, and David Dahl should be too, playing in Colorado. So I think I I helped bring back up the batting average damage Harper may or may not cause. And if you're looking, if you just look at the projections, the in my starting lineup, the player projected for the fewest homers is Danny Jansen, 16. That's still pretty good for a catcher. No one else is projected for fewer than 22. Everybody's between 22 and 30. Harper, of course, might hit 45. Sure. So yeah, I, Luke I Voigt think might hit I 60. Think, 
<laughs> no, all right. Yeah, I, I, I see. Uh, I, it's interesting that your favorite team is one in which you started so pitcher heavy. So it is possible to do it. Scott uh, got his steals, got his power, got his batting average, and his really strong at pitching, and he got his saves as well. Yep. All right, let's go to the big news. The Brewers signed Mike Mustakas to a one-year, ten million dollar deal. He could play some second base. They will experiment a little bit with that in spring training. Uh, what do you think about Moustakas? Where is he in your third baseman rankings? He's been, I believe, top 12 two straight years, even though last year was a down year for him. He has been top 12, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have him in my... Uh, I, I have him 18th. And I might move him down with this news. I think it was bad news, basically, for the entire Brewers infield. Moustakis most of all because somebody has to play second base between him and Shaw sounds like Moustakis opposite of what they did the last season Moustakis is going to get the first chance at second base he's not known for his range at third base it'll be even more necessary at second base he did get drafted as a shortstop so I, I guess he has some middle infield experience but I'm I'm uh, I'm thinking it's a long shot. He could legitimately play second base every day. And we already know they weren't comfortable with Shaw there every day because he played only like two thirds of the made only like two thirds of the starts there in September and got replaced a lot late in games. Uh, I, I'm thankful that it, it it seems like Shaw's still their first priority at third base. He's the first priority in the lineup. Hopefully this doesn't hurt his value too much. And he was the more valuable player to begin with. But I, I'm not. I'm not totally sure of that. I mean, Moustakis could be a disaster at second base. And then is he just a bench player? Maybe another way to get him in the lineup is uh, basically platooning him and, and Jesus Aguilar. I, Aguilar had the best number of these three last year, but if he gets off to a slow start, obviously not such a great second half, then maybe he goes back to just starting against lefties with uh, Shaw bouncing between third base and first base as necessary. Uh, I think there's the I, I think Moustakis is most at risk of being less than an everyday player, but Sean Aguilar at risk as well. And then, by the way, the Brewers' top prospect Keston Hira uh, happens to be a second baseman and is expected to be major league ready at some point this season. What happens when he gets involved? What what if what if Mike Moustakis were the everyday third baseman for the Brewers? Because you said you have him 18th right now, and you might drop him at third base. But just, just hypothetically, you know he's he's obviously got power. I don't think we can expect a, a great batting average from him. He hit 251 last year, but he did hit 271, no 272 in 2017. Um, but let's just say he were, you know, a below average batting average, uh, but. Good power guy, probably going to drive and run, score some runs. Where would he be if he were an everyday third baseman? Well, prior to this signing, 18th is where I have him. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, it, for whatever it's worth, he wasn't great with the Brewers last season. He actually had a lower slugging percentage than, with them than he did with the Royals. It's something like six homers in 90 at bats at Miller Park, which is pretty good pace. But uh, of yeah, course, he's not going to be playing there all the but time. But he had 231 at Miller Park. It was weird. Yeah. Um, so, where. Basically, I, I feel like there's a clear top 11 at third base. I mean, we could quibble about the order, but it's basically uh, Jose Ramirez through Justin Turner, Josh Donaldson, that, that pair. Mm hmm. 
And then I have Travis Shaw right after that, who has playing time concerns now. Max Muncy playing time concerns. Matt Chapman health concerns. Miguel Andujar playing time concerns. Jerkson Profar, who I like a lot, but there's there there's reasons to be skeptical of the power. Uh, Will Myers, Mike Bustakis, you know he's he's in that range. And I I'd still be inclined. I mean, in a, in a in a fictional scenario where there were no playing time concerns for Mustakis, you could probably make the case for him to be in the top fifteen. But since we don't live in that world, uh, I, I I think he has to be the lowest of that group. And, and I you may drop him behind Rafael Devers. There you go. You haven't even said Rafael Devers' name. That I will be drafting a lot of Rafael Devers. He he is cheap on draft day, fairly cheap. And I know there's not a ton of great reasons based on last year to expect him to have a breakout, but we've seen it happen before. Sophomore slump. I want some Rafael Devers. Uh, T- Toronto GM Ross Atkins said there's no firm timeline for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Scott, right now on February 19th, your best guess when we see Vlad in the majors. So I haven't actually counted up the games to see the first one where... Uh... You know, that, that date in mid-April when he would come up and they would retain another year of team control, but mid-April, you know, Mid-April. let's say April 15th or whatever. Okay. Uh, you know, the Braves didn't do it with the Cunha right on that date. They waited, I think, another series, but uh, it won't be long after that. And obviously they can't commit to that publicly because then they would have a grievance filed, probably. Right. Um. But that's that's what I expect to happen. The, that's what everybody expects to happen. Okay, the Padres offered Manny Machado an eight-year deal worth at least $240 million, according to Bob Nightingale. No, we do not want anyone to go to San Diego. Nobody. Philadelphia closing in it's, on Bryce Harper. What? It's not such a terrible place to hit anymore. San Diego? I'd be okay with that. Really? Yeah, I mean, it'd be fine. But I, he, I, but he, like, he it, does it, have pretty interesting career home road splits, Manny Machado. And he wasn't even that yeah, good with the Dodgers. He does. And I, I mean, I'd rather see him go to the White Sox, right, sure. Right. But I, I don't think it would be. It, I, I wouldn't be crying if he went to San Diego. It wouldn't be as bad as like Harper to San Francisco. They'd be a pretty interesting team, the Padres, if they got him. Uh, they got some, some good young players. Uh, Machado had an 825 OPS with the Dodgers last year. Charlie Blackman's going to play right field. So no more center for Charlie Blackman. Does this mean Ian Desmond is their center fielder? Yeah, that's what I saw. How about which that? Which is, I mean, David Dahl can play center field too, so I, I don't think this means Ian Desmond is necessarily a fixture in the lineup. Obviously, he's the one we want bumped out. Uh, I, I am encouraged that part of this report was David Dahl's our left fielder because they think his range will play best. It's, it's you know, an expansive left field. They think his range would play better out there than Blackman's would, which would seem to indicate that, yes, they do want Dahl as an everyday player. Uh, but for now, Desmond is the center fielder. We'll see if the bat allows him to stick there. As far as Blackman goes, I mean, he's obviously losing a step. Last year was a down year for him, but he still was a top seven outfielder. And he hit 291 with 29 home runs. He <laughs> He scored 119 runs and stole 12 bases, only 70 RBIs. I think he was batting a lot of leadoff, maybe second. 
Um, the year before that, he was the number one hitter in baseball. The number, the year before that, he was 15th in points, ninth in Roto. So uh, do you consider Charlie Blackman a safe second-round pick? I mean, the venue, the playing time, but they pretty much make him that, yeah. He does... It, it's hard to know exactly how quickly uh, the age is going to bring him down, but I think the home environment makes for a nice, gentle landing more often than not in these situations. But yeah, he he definitely appears to be declining in terms of athleticism. Two years ago, 2017, he was a six-war player. Last year, point eight because the defense was so bad. Blackman has been a top 16 hitter in points and Roto three straight years. Um, last year, he was 16th in points, 15th in Roto. Okay, what else we got? Giancarlo Stanton said he was bothered by an injury late last year. I think it was a hamstring injury. And, yeah, his numbers really dipped. I do not recall this. Last 31 games, Stanton batted 198 with a 700 OPS. So uh, he ended up as the number 22 hitter in points leagues, number 16 in Roto, and he was ninth in points at outfield and seventh in Roto at outfield. But, uh, again, 22nd in points, at hitter, uh, overall hitter, and 16th in Roto. So, yeah, that's Stanton. Um, he's played uh, almost a full season two years in a row, but dealt with some injuries last year. Uh, just real quick, so are you are you generally optimistic, pessimistic, or just kind of normal on John Carlos Stanton? I'm actually a little pessimistic about Stanton because his his success depends so much on like big outlier power. It reminds me a lot of the way Ryan Howard's career unfolded, and Howard had a huge drop off at about this this same age. When you're missing that much. Uh, you can make up for it by hitting the ball crazy hard like Stanton has managed to do. But when you lose a little bit of that strength, it can, it can, it can unravel quickly. Um, uh, my, you know, my best guess is that's not what's happening and mm-hmm. it was just an off year, but I'm not drafting him with great confidence either, whether it's end of round two, early in round, ra- or early in round three. I would love Stanton in round three. You know, he he was not bad last year. He was the number nine outfielder, like I said, in points, number seven in Roto, and it feels like he had a down year, but he drove in 100 runs and scored 102 runs. So I, I think in that lineup, he has to be really bad to not be a big-time contributor in runs and RBIs. His batting average is all over the place throughout his career, but he's never going to be great there. I figure he's probably a 265-ish hitter. He had 266 last year, but he had 38 home runs in a bad year. So I think, you know, settling in uh, to to New York, he was terrible at home. He batted two twenty nine at home last year. He was getting booed at home earlier in the year. Maybe that had a mental effect on him. I think year two with the Yankees is going to be going to be much better for Stanton. And again, he was already pretty good. So uh, I'm excited. And, I'm and excited again, about it. I'm I'm coming up with a lot of reasons to be pessimistic about all the second round hitters. So uh, I'm not saying I want to draft him. I'm just saying. Uh, it's it's not like I'm gung ho about oh he's going to be great again MVP caliber I'm not sure about that yeah I don't see MVP caliber um, but he's right now 22nd in ADP and when you compare the other hitters going around I mean he, Freddie Freeman goes right in front of him and I, I would take Freeman but Story yeah. Benintendi Blackman Juan Soto after him to me there's nobody I guess Blackman I guess I take Blackman over Stanton but. I think it's a, it's a good range for yeah, him. I would too. 
And and I'd I'd take story because I feel like I'd I'd rather have the power speed guy uh than just the power guy if I'm you know I have I have questions about what's happening with both and the strikeout rate. Uh okay, Ronald Acuña Scott could bat leadoff and we know that's a big deal with steals if you're just joining the podcast and didn't listen a few weeks back. Scott and Chris went went through it all and the Braves don't run in the middle of their order, and Acuna stole 14 bases in 18 attempts in 67 games batting leadoff. He stole two bases in three attempts in 26 games batting second, and he did not attempt to steal anywhere outside of first or second in the lineup. So he could bat leadoff, and um, that would be a pretty big deal, right, for Acuna? Yeah, if if it happens, if it's consistent, if the Braves are consistent about it, I'm still skeptical it's going to because that power... Yeah, it it's it's a it's kind of a waste to have Nick Markakis batting behind great on base guys like Freddie Freeman and Josh Donaldson when they could have their best power hitter behind batting behind them. Uh, and Ender Enciarte, I think, is uh, is somebody Brian Snitker likes to have at the top of the lineup when he's going well. So I I, I we'll see how it plays out, but. Acuna has said he prefers to bat leadoff, and maybe that'll have some weight here. All right, I'm going to give you some more news, and you just give me a real quick 10-second soundbite on the news. Aaron Hicks is the front runner to lead off for the Yankees. Uh, that sounds great. I think he batted mostly second last year, um, or was at the end of last season anyway. But yeah, yeah he's, he's a good on-base guy with those big power hitters behind him. It could lead to a ton of runs. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, this might sound crazy. If, if Aaron Hicks is leading off for the Yankees I, in points leagues where he's been really good, uh, I think he's a top 10 outfielder on a per-game basis. Um, Reds manager David Bell said Nick Senzel could be Cincinnati's center fielder. Nick Senzel, yeah. I mean, their best bet aside from Senzel is Scott Schebler, which... I don't know that he really needs to be playing every day. There's some power there, fine. But that seems like a clearer, clearer path for Senzel right now than either second or third base, where Scooter Jeanette and Suarez appear to have those positions sewn up. So that's that's hopefully his best path at the lineup. By the way, Hicks only was in either first, second, or third. He only started 60... 68 games between those three but he, spots. But he actually did play mostly, bat mostly third. It's, it's pretty evenly spread out. 31 yeah, games he, he leading was all off, over the place. Four batting second, 33rd batting third, 13, 18, 28, and four batting fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, so whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah. Consistently I, batting leadoff, I mean, though, with a guy who reaches base 40% of the time. Right, exactly. And has Judge and Stanton behind him. Could be big. Yeah. Could be big. That's a good point you bring up about the points league value. It it would it would probably it's it's reason to at least look into raising him in that format. Well, it's based on this for Aaron Hicks. I mean I gave I looked at his points in two thousand seventeen and eighteen. I gave him hundred and fifty five games. He always is dealing with injuries. That's a problem. But in two thousand seventeen he would have been the tenth best outfielder in points. In two thousand eighteen he would have been the ninth best outfielder in points if he had played hundred and fifty five games. Um, now that's based on everybody else playing the amount of games they did. It's not everybody playing 155 games, but it is what it is. Um, let's see. Jacob DeGrom may consider limiting his innings if he doesn't get a long-term deal. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. 
Um, that, that yeah, would be unfortunate. It would. I, I understand that from a financial standpoint. Uh, back to Hicks. So we're on Hicks. Yeah. Okay. So I keep saying things and then looking them up and they're wrong. He <laughs> reaches base at about a 37% clip. 400 was yeah, obviously high. much higher than that. High. He's still very good on base. Yeah. Um, Mets first baseman Peter Alonso's defense has improved. I think we are rooting for him to win that job. Uh, Tyler Glasnow's velocity is up. Ray's starting pitcher Tyler Glasnow. Velocity is up. Like he needed more. Jeez. Yeah, he throws like 97. And his ERA with the Rays was 420 last year, but he had one terrible start. Seven earned runs in two-thirds of an inning at Toronto. Remove that start, and he would have had a 310 ERA in 55 innings with the Rays. And finally, Scott Craig Kimbrell, unlikely to return to Boston. We got a real sleeper closer there, whoever it's going to be. I mean, I kind of like Brazier. Who do you like uh, in the Sox bullpen? Yeah, I feel like he has to be the front runner based on what they have. I've been operating this whole offseason like they couldn't possibly go without adding a proven closer. They're the Red Sox for crying out loud. But those options have uh, pretty much all gone by the wayside. They're eliminating Kimbrell. So, yeah, Brazier, Ryan Brazier. All right, it's time for our misleading headline of the day. Then we're going to get to some, to some of your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I was on milb.com, the minor league site. You know, very good site. And I see a headline, Scott, that says, Yard goats take peanuts out of the ball game." And I thought we were going to get a story about goats invading a stadium and eating all the peanuts and dragging them away from the ballpark. But in fact, this was a story, Yard Goats Take Peanuts Out of the Ball Game, about the Hartford Yard Goats, a minor league team, removing peanut products from their concessions due to allergies. Very misleading. And not misleading as, not as exciting. They're, they're a plague on our society in 2019. I mean, it's good, you know, that, that they're doing this. But, um, yeah, I thought, I thought we were going to get a good story about goats, and we didn't get it. Well, this podcast definitely not the goat of episodes. We'll be right back with your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. 
The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. This one comes from Davin. He says, Hola, Lionel, Luke, and Cristiano. Oh, Luca and Cristiano. I think those are soccer stars. Messi, Ronaldo, Luca. I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Austin Barnes was described on Thursday's podcast as a player with potentially exciting potential. Despite the distaste for a young Joey Lucchese, would you be okay putting Lucchese in that category? P- potentially exciting potential. He's currently ranked just outside the top 100. But there's still time before the truth comes knocking. I believe he should be 40 to 50 spots higher. Why is my Lucchese optimism false? So Joey Lucchese seems like he might be a victim of the way teams are handling their pitching staffs these days. He, In the past, he may have wound up a reliever, wound up being a reliever, just because he doesn't have a full enough arsenal to um, to last to, to really have success the third time through the order, but the way the Padres are managing him, they're just taking him out before he gets the third time through the order. Maybe he'll refine his arsenal and be able to become uh, more of a traditional starting pitcher. But right now, I see him as a guy who's capped at uh, you know five, maybe stretching to six innings occasionally. Mm-hmm. That's how they handled him last year, and that's kind of how I think it's going to keep going. Great strikeout rate. So by the the more traditional way of evaluating pitchers, yeah, I look at him and say this guy looks like a breakout candidate. Right. But <clears throat> yeah, I just Casey, don't think the Padres are going to handle him that way. He had a nice year for a rookie, 408 ERA, and uh, he gave up a lot of home runs, but 145 strikeouts to 43 walks and 130 innings. Did have a pretty high whip, 1.29. He's 26, so he's not like a young pup. First nine batters, 336 ERA. Second nine batters, 354 ERA. Third nine, 8.15 ERA, and um, only one start of more than six innings. Now, Scott Lucchese made only six starts of, of six or more innings. So he basically had five starts of exactly six innings and one of like six and two-thirds. But four of those six starts did come in August and September. I'm I'm willing to draft him with a late, late pick and give it a shot. Maybe, who knows, it's year two. Maybe he's better. Maybe he goes deeper into games. Because I think there is a lot to like here. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad use of a late round pick. I'm just not counting on much, clearly, okay. to be ranking him so low. Um, I was excited last April. Remember, he was a guy we talked about a lot, but then it became clear to me what was going on there, and I backed off. All right, just, Scott. I don't think there's a ton of upside, really, even if he's good at missing bats. Well, let's go to a first base question from No Name, Ryan O'Hearn of the Royals seems like potential value. I didn't hear his name mentioned on the first pre- on the first base preview. Should we ignore Ryan O'Hearn or is he a sleeper? I think you could make a case that he's a sleeper. Yeah, there's definitely power potential there. 12 home runs and 149 at bats last year. Didn't hit a ton of home runs in the minors, but if you look at the batted ball profile, uh, you know, it, it would seem more in line with with the kind of power he showed at the majors. He does have 
strikeout issues and more severely he has supporting cast issues not a lot going on in that Royals lineup not a lot to drive him in or for him to drive in and he was four for 37 against lefties yes yes platoon concerns as well so I mean for for somebody who wasn't considered a high-end prospect um <laughs> has a very limited track record and serious downsides I'm not ready to invest in him in like a mixed league context Ryan O'Hearn had a but, 950 OPS yep he did hit for a lot of power <laughs> and he walks a fair amount yeah. too yeah he had a 353 OBP I'm not saying there's nothing interesting here I just think I can come up with first baseman that I find more interesting Justin Bohr or Ryan O'Hearn um well see Bohr Bohr could Bohr looks like he has a job right now. And I I love the skills for Bohr, as we talked about a lot last year. But when Otani comes off the DL, provided Albert Pujols is healthy, somebody's going to have to sit at that group. And Bohr would seem to be the one who does most often. So probably O'Hearn. Aaron from Cleveland. I play in a 10-team, 6 by 6 head-to-head categories league. I have OBP, runs... RBIs, home runs, steals, and strikeouts. I really like the potential of Joey Gallo, but I don't know if our format helps his value or hurts it. Having OBP helps Gallo, but strikeouts as another category hurts Gallo. (laughs) Give me your advice. Should I target him, only take him if he falls well below his ADP, or avoid him altogether? Joey Gallo. So Gallo manages to post... Um, you know that he 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 walks a lot. That is true. He had a three twelve on base percentage last year. Like the batting average is so bad that the walks aren't really able to salvage it. Maybe it does raise him a little over a batting average league, but I think it's more a case of the strikeouts hurting him. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's got to go below his ADP then in this situation. That category kills you with Joey Gallo. Uh, how many? Let's see how many strikeouts he had last year. He 207. had 207, holy cow. 207. And 196 the year before. Yeah, you got to drop him. Uh, this one's from Lou. I've narrowed my last keeper spot down to Kershaw or Votto. 10-team uh, Roto League. Standard score, uh, standard categories plus home runs against and OPS. Would you keep Kershaw or Votto? I would keep... I would keep Votto. Okay. Very good. This is from Casey. Hearing a lot of talk about Anthony Rizzo having a down year, he looked pretty solid from May on. Maybe it was that back injury in April or the cold cold weather or bad luck. Seems like Rizzo's skills are all right, pretty much in line with his career. Um, what do you think? Is that, I'd actually, that's a good point because after I saw this email, um, his last 130 games for Rizzo got off to a bad start. Last 130 games, he batted 304 with 21 home runs. That's higher than you'd expect, by the way, the home, the batting average. 903 OPS. I mean, he was great. So, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, he, no, I think yeah. this email is spot on. That's how I'd break down. It was a down year if you look at the final numbers, but that's how I'd break down that down year. Sure. I didn't remember him having a back injury in April. But, yeah, I, 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 I mean, Rizzo in the third round's pretty good. Just, 
just like I said on the first base preview, in a Roto League. Because his, his plate discipline's great, so he, he's better in points than Roto. Um, yeah, know, but I, I but mean, he's not this bad. Is a, this is a this is a point Chris would bring up last year. Like, there's there's a chance we haven't seen Rizzo's best case scenario yet, and I actually think those final five months, now that I have the numbers in front of me, he hit three oh three, like you said, that's higher than we expect from him. His BABIP during that time was three oh three, but he was only on a twenty seven homer pace, which is lower than you'd expect from him. He's usually in the thirty two thirty three range. Uh, oh. But but what I was going to say, Scott, was just that I. He has been better in points than Roto. At his best, Rizzo usually performs like a top 12 hitter in points leagues and more like top 20 in Roto. Uh, but he's so safe. So that's part of it, too. All right, here's an email from Jordan. Dear Columbo, Barney, and Punch. Uh, are those like detectives? Are they like sidekicks for... Uh... Unlike cop shows, I guess. I think these are all from Columbo. Oh. I was recently looking at Scott's outfield tiers, comparing them to the current depth charts that are listed on CBS for each team. I understand it's early. The depth charts won't necessarily be the same at the beginning of the season, but there are currently 21 players listed as starting outfielders who are not listed anywhere on Scott's tiers page. All right, Scott, we'll see. He's putting you to the test. <laughs> um, how do you see these players fitting into the tiers, or would you simply just put them all in the very last tier? And here are some of the names. Cattell Marte, Jason Hayward, Granderson, Brinson, Austin Dean, Jeff McNeil, Nick Williams, Chris Shaw, Stephen Duggar, Mac Williamson, DJ Stewart, Adam Engel, Greg Allen, Leonis Martin, Tyler Naquin, Mikey Matuk, Jacoby Jones, Alex Gordon, Brett Phillips, Nick Martini, and Delino DeShields. I think Martini is, um, but I'll, I'll double-check that. Uh, Greg Allen is somebody we've talked about. I moved him up. It, has, it isn't reflected in the tiers yet, but I'll have tiers 2.0 coming out next week. A lot of these cases, they're just not outfield eligible yet in fantasy. Cattell Marte, Jeff McNeil, uh, I guess those are the main two. But they're obviously listed in the tiers of the positions where they are eligible. And then the rest, I just don't think are good enough to draft, unless you're talking about the very deepest of leagues, AL and L only. Yeah, so I'm not uh, I'm not too regretful about leaving them out. I very badly want Delano to Shields to be fantasy relevant. Everybody knows this. Every year I want Delano to Shields to be fantasy relevant. I know mm -hmm. he can run. I know he can get on base. Uh, I don't know that he's going to play all that much. He's slated right now to bat ninth and play center field for the Rangers. But they have Willie Calhoun. I'm sure they'd like to get him some at-bats. Yeah, I, uh, I guess... in. We have a 15-team Roto draft today. I can see myself taking the Shields there. Uh, last email for now. We'll try to get some more later. David from North Bergen, New Jersey. 14-team, 6x6 head-to-head categories league. I heard how you guys said that... Um, excuse me. I heard how you guys said that getting two to three of the top 20 pitchers would give an owner a distinct advantage over other teams. I'm wondering if that strategy would also work for steals. Like if I draft Merrifield, Marte, and Mondesi. Won't I presumably win steals every week? And those guys would not kill me in the other offensive categories like Billy Hamilton would. What do you think about that, Scott, getting Merrifield, Marte, and Mondesi? It's probably overkill. There's a good chance you would almost never lose steals. Um, you know, a lot of... 
this is this is one thing I struggle with in the head-to-head categories league is in theory a bunch of 20 steel guys should help you um, compete with an owner who has one of those 50 40 50 steel guys but the 20 steel guys you can't really count on when they're going to get their 20 steals and you're going week to week with it so it's it's frustrating when you have what would be a fine total in a roto league, but in a head-to-head categories league, it never seems to pan right. out for you. But <laughs> obviously, this would eliminate that problem. Um, it's kind of <laughs> you're having you're you're having to thread a needle on draft day. I feel like landing all of these guys at appropriate value, but I I don't think it's a I don't think it's a terrible idea. If you find it ends up being overkill, there's there's going to be somebody in your league who who needs steals and would be willing to pay a premium for them through trade. Yeah. So I don't think it's bad. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. All right, news and notes. Uh, Roldis Chapman cannot guarantee that he will not have knee issues this year. <laughs> okay. Neither can I. That sucks. <laughs> uh, Seattle outfielder Malik Smith has a sore shoulder. He's unlikely to be ready to play. They have the March 21st and 22nd games in Japan. So he's unlikely to be able to play the outfield, but Malik Smith might be able to DH. These are things that we're just going to have to sort of keep an eye on. Uh, Angels starting pitcher Matt Harvey suffered a glute strain. This is actually a round of Angels news here. Shohei Otani hoping for opening day. We don't think it's going to happen. They already said sometime in May. And Justin Upton has patellar tendonitis in his right knee. Uh, is, is Matt Harvey on your radar at all, Scott? I'm trying to remember if I have him in the tiers. Not, I mean, not really. No. Okay. I don't want, I don't want, I don't have much hope for Matt Harvey anymore. I had two years of that. I'm basically over it. <laughs> uh, contract stuff. The Yankees signed Severino to a four year, $40 million deal. Could be worth $52 million. Marcus Stroman wants a long term deal. Uh, here's an interesting player. Jorge Polanco. The twins signed Polanco to a long-term deal, and they signed Max Kepler to a long-term deal. Polanco, Scott White, he, get my little Polanco notes out here, he's kind of a points league start-worthy start guy, man, person. Um, He, uh, where is it? He's basically been like a top 15 shortstop in points leagues two straight years, you know, if you, if you gave him a full season. So, um, in fact, in 2017, he played 133 games. If he had played 155, he would have been the number nine shortstop in points leagues. Last year, he played 77 games, and if you just give him a, if you double his games, give him 154, he would have been the number 13 shortstop in points leagues. Is Jorge Polanco ranked anywhere close to your top 12 at shortstop? He's not, and I know some people are excited about him and his potential. Uh, I don't really think he has breakout potential beyond what he's shown. I think he's pretty good as he is. It's it's kind of Andrelton Simmons-like for me. If you wind up with him in, as your starter, it's not bad necessarily, but I, I think you need to aim for more upside, a higher power ceiling specifically at shortstop, given the way the, the position has, has evolved and it's turned out to be one of the deepest in fantasy. Yeah. So I think, you know, it, as a middle infielder in a roto league, fine. Right. But I don't want him as my starting shortstop. Yeah, that's a good call, though, because uh, he could lead off for the Twins. Roster resource has him leading off. He batted mostly second and third last year. 
So he could give you some runs. He'll give you a handful of steals, maybe like 12, 15 steals. And um, Mike, you know, he's batted 280 or better, two of the last three years. So that's Polanco. Uh, more news. Let's see what we got. The Mets signing Danny Echevarria, defensive specialist. Padres signing relief pitcher Aaron Loop. Reds signed Derek Dietrich to a minor league contract. Bruce Bochy's retiring after this season, and CC Sabathia's retiring after this season. Are they both Hall of Famers, Scott White? I think so. I think so. I Bochy, just the fact that he's won three World Series, it'll be hard to leave him out. Sabathia's career war is is right on the fringes. Um but I, I think he has enough standout seasons on his resume that I, I would give him I, I would I would have him I would lean yes on him. On Sabathia. All right, yeah, he's pretty he's gonna be a pretty close case. Yeah. Okay, let's go through the news. Uh, excuse me, the emails. Part two. Here we go. We finished the show with some more of your questions. Matt in Michigan, uh, longtime listener, never had an email read on the air. All right, here we go, Matt. Big day. Keeper question, 12-team, 18 categories, 9 hitting, 9 pitching. We're allowed to keep 3 players each uh, for a maximum of 3 years in a row. So please pick 3 keepers in the round in which I would need to keep them from the list below. Chris Davis, round 7. Zach Greinke, round 9. Chris Archer, round 12. Charlie Morton, round 16. David Peralta, round 23. We got Chris Davis, round 7, Zach Greinke, round 9, Chris Archer, round 12, Charlie Morton, round 16, David Peralta, round 23. Davis and Greinke, I think, are musts. I could be talked into any of the others for that third spot, but I'm going to go Archer in round 12 just because I'm not confident Morton or Peralta is going to make a real impact this year. They both seem like players who could regress out of out of the mixed league discussion entirely, and then it doesn't really so much matter what kind of discount you get them for. If you are, yeah, that is an interesting point. If you are going though by ADP on Fantasy Pros right now, Morton is actually going ten spots higher than Archer. So that's, that's co- silly. Come on, guys. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. How many that's strikeouts right. did Archer have even last year? As disappointing as it was. Go ahead, look it up. I'm going to look it up. He I'm going to guess he had 193. He had 162. Only oh. only made 27 starts, so seven fewer than usual. Uh, but he was right at he was he was just below 10 strikeouts per nine innings. So you know he's still even in a down year he was still an elite bat misser. All right, Jeremy says you guys have talked a lot about Billy Hamilton this offseason. I'm starting to buy the hype. I mean, Heath has him as a sleeper. I don't know how Scott feels about Billy Hamilton. The problem is my main league uses OPS as a roto category. How do you change Billy Hamilton's value in an OPS league? His 250 average is salvageable, but his 600 OPS is harder to swallow. Yeah, so OPS instead of batting average? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. If it's OPS instead of home runs, it's probably not a difference. If it's OPS instead of batting average, it's a big difference. It's kind of rewarding power twice which is unfortunate um uh, the main thing about billy hamilton is you can get him in round 13 14 now and (laughs) you know it it was always known he was only going to give you steals but he used to be drafted in round four for that you know which was crazy i thought but now the price tag seems perfectly reasonable for somebody who's likely to carry you in that scarce category 
I think, though, it would depend on if this is a five outfielder or a three outfielder league. If you're sacrificing that many categories with one of just three outfield spots, fewer opportunities to make up for it throughout the rest of your lineup, that's, that's, that is pretty hard to swallow. But if it's five outfielder spots at his going rate, I think, you know, it, it just depends on the way your draft unfolds, too. If you take care of steals early, it's not like you need that many to be competitive in the category, then um, there's no reason to bother with Hamilton. But if you're at that stage of the draft, around 12 through 14 range, and you don't have any steals yet, Hamilton is still probably the perfect pick if it's a five outfielder league. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Next email we got is Mike. He is from Heath's favorite Midwestern city, known for great beer. That is something that Scott and I would not be able to comment on. We do not know cities that are known for great beer. He says, uh, hey, Paul, Robin, Raleigh, and Bernie. Those sound like brewers. They are. Yeah. Bernie is the mascot. Mascot. Did, was Raleigh Fingers on the brewers? He was. Oh, okay. Okay, here's the question. Every year we debate on changing our categories to fit the modern era of baseball. Looking for suggestions on which categories we should go with. Many league members believe that our pitching categories make it advantageous to just draft offense. Here are our categories. Average, home runs, RBIs, runs, steals. Also, total bases and OPS. Pitching, uh, wins, ERA, strikeouts, Quality starts, whip, and saves. So that looks like a 7-by-6 league. Um, yeah. Total I mean, base and OPS is a little repetitive to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, OPS... Get rid of I OPS. I don't mind total bases as much. If you're, you know, you're kind of rewarding doubles in a way that the standard five by five league doesn't. But OPS, you're factoring in average twice, you're factoring in home runs twice, you're factoring in total bases twice. Yeah, get you are getting some impact from walks there that you wouldn't normally get. Uh, but you know, I, I, I might be more inclined to, um, go with on base percentage instead of batting average and just eliminate OPS and then you're going 6 by 6. Yeah, but it but if you do on base percentage instead of batting it. Okay, get rid of OPS. That's that's step number 1. Yeah. Number 2, I would keep batting average because walks factor into total bases, right? Um gosh, I'm actually not sure about that. You may be right. I don't know enough about the to- total bases statistics. All right, well that's the, if if total bases count walks, then I'd stick with batting average. If t- total bases don't count walks, go to OBP. Get rid of OPS and you're good at hitting. In terms of pitching... Well, I mean, part of the problem with pitching is there's already a category that um, that starting pitchers are of no use to, and that's saves. You don't really have that among the hitting categories, which is, which is partially why in standard 5x5 five five it leans more toward hitting, too. This... You're, you're adding an extra category, 7x6, and, and then, you know, it's really 7x5 five in terms of numbers that a starting pitcher can contribute to. So I, I totally understand why it would have that impact. I think if you're if you're cutting down one of those offensive categories, though, and making it 6x6, six six, you're at least back more in line with the standard Roto League, uh, which, again, still favors hitting, but not so drastically. I have a league that's 7x7. Seven seven. It's average OBP, 
home runs, RBIs, runs, steals, and total bases. Uh, and the pitching categories are wins and quality starts, ERA, whip, saves, strikeouts, and K per nine. So we actually have a pretty good balance of stats that relief pitchers are great at and stats that starting pitchers are better at. Um, the league works pretty well. I mean, the categories don't necessarily make a ton of sense, but when you have so many categories, like, I actually like it. First of all, it takes some pressure off with steals. Because if you could, you could lose steals and still have, be okay in six other categories instead of four. I like my seven by seven, but I think in your case, Mike, it's pretty easy to go to six by six. Get rid of OPS and then figure out batting average and total bases. Uh, all right, Scott. By the way, yeah, only uh, hits count toward total bases. Okay, walks do not. Then do OBP. Uh, Caleb in Louisville. Hey, Puig, Kemp, Wood, and Roark. Those are Reds. New Reds. They are, they are Reds. They're they're new Reds. Yeah, all new Reds. Keeper question: Twelve team head to head categories league. We can keep six players. I need to choose two of these four. He already has Jose Ramirez, Jose Altuve. Juan Soto and Jacob deGrom, all of their names start with J. Jose, Jose, Juan, and Jacob. Only one of them is pronounced with a J. All right, so pick two, Scott. Carrasco in the third, Paxton in the sixth, Suarez in the 14th, and Trianon in the 11th. I will go with Suarez and Trianon. Okay. I, I don't think Carrasco in round three or Paxton in round six is much of a discount at all. If 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 it is, if you want. This is from Wilson. Hey, Jeff, Tim, and Yvonne. Uh, Jeff, Tim, Yvonne. Could be Ivan. I'm thinking it's Yvonne. Yeah, this I don't would know. would be Jeff Bagwell, Tim Raines, and Yvonne Rodriguez. Oh, all inducted in the same class. All right, Wilson says, after the thrashing of the Giants in the team-by-team preview, nothing was said about Derek Rodriguez. Uh, what do you think of the son of Pudge Rodriguez? And should he be taken before or after Derek Holland? I think he should be taken... I, I think he should be taken before Derek Holland, I guess, uh, because there's just that chance that there's something I'm missing in his profile that led him to have such success last year. But by the looks of it to me, Derek Rodriguez was one of the luckiest pitchers in baseball last year. Yeah, he's so lucky. <laughs> yeah, low low strikeout rate, low BABIP in a way that's not supported by the batted ball profile. Um, a lot of hard contact, too. And, uh, you know, I'd start uh, him at home. the home runs with the fly ball rate. Park helps a lot, and yeah. maybe that's maybe it helps more than any of us realize. And he can do something similar again, but I'm not betting on it. Uh, this is from I don't have a name on this one, but it's about Chance Cisco. Scott, could Chance Cisco be a catcher sleeper? I mean, the opportunities there for him to play, and it was just a couple years ago he was considered one of the top catching prospects. Did not show much, has not shown much in the majors at all. And even when he was a prospect, it was mostly built on batting average. And that's, un- unless you have a low strikeout rate, that's, that's a, that's a skill that is, it, it's very hard to, to trust to continue, um, between levels like that. A lot has to go right when you're striking out as much as he does. Chancisco is an Orioles catcher. 
who batted 181 last year with two home runs and 160 at-bats. And that is going to do it for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball Today. Get ready for our second base preview. We're going to come at you with that on tomorrow's show. Scott will definitely be there. We'll try to get Heath on as well. And more of your emails probably on Thursday. Oh, we might sneak another position preview in Thursday, and then we'll definitely do one on Friday. Thanks a lot, Scott White. Thank you all for listening. I'm Adam Azer. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Wednesday.